We're continuing in our, uh, in, in our Summer of Joy series from the book of Philippians, actually. We're just going through that there. Um, I think one of the things that, that really attacks the joy, the happiness, satisfaction in our life is when and then thinking. You know, when such and such, then I can be happy. Then I'll have some joy. Then I'll be satisfied. You know, when, um, when I get married, then I'll be happy. When, when, when I have kids, then I'll be happy. When the kids finally move out, then I'll be happy. <laughs> when I get this job, when I get, what, what, it's this when and then thinking. And, and there are, you know, killjoys in life. There are things that's, that, 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 that seem to, to just get in the way. And if only I could get rid of this or this or this. And, and, and is that really what it is? You know, it's, if only I can get rid of this, this pain. And, and I, I'm not, you know, minimizing physical pain. Uh, <laughs> I had a little thing that's not even comp comparable. I, when we were on vacation, before I, I got to go to different planets fitness and different gyms and um and ours we only have we, our dumbbells only go up to 60 pounds okay so then i go to some place and there they go up to 100 pounds right so the i go say oh i can do the 100 pound dumbbells right yeah and i hurt myself <laughs> i thought of my brother you say do you know how old you are <laughs> you know yes and that little just that little bit and i mean it's it's like a hundredth compared to what other people I'm not saying that's pain, but it just made me think of me just with this little Mickey Mouse, you know, that can, can, can attack your, your joy. And imagine people who really deal with real pain. It's, it's, that's not easy, is it? Or how about people? Can people be killjoys in life, huh? <laughs> Picky people, irritating people, demanding people, know-it-all people. People can, 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 can be a real problem, huh? Or how about pressures? I mean, we put pressures on ourselves. There are internal pressures. There's pressures from outside. How about problems? All kinds of problems. Is it, be, is it possible to have, to have joy? Is it possible to rejoice when there's pain or people or pressure or problems? Is, it po is this possible? Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the good news. Whatever happens, as Gabe was saying, you know, that, that Paul, even in jail, even waiting at execution, uh, we're going to look at that today. So let's bow our heads in, in prayer. Lord, help us. Help us. We, you, you do want us to understand. And, and that's why this, this beautiful little happy book that is here, we're going back to it. We're seeing that during the summer of joy. People talk about having an enjoyable summer. Well, maybe, uh, and, and there's certainly all the activities uh, of summer are great, but there also has to be the other 
component, what's inside spiritually. Show us, show us today how whatever happens, we can make a choice to rejoice. Whatever happens. Amen. So, I can make that choice. And, and, and remember, you know, just a little past four years, just a little bit backstory to the whole thing, past four years. He had been two years, Paul had been two years in prison in Caesarea. Um, not exactly the happiest thing in the world. And then uh, they decide to transfer him uh, uh, from Caesarea. Nero accepts him as a royal prisoner. He made an appeal to, 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 Nero, to, to the Rome, to the emperor. And so then he, he is, um, goes through a, a storm, gets sh- shipwrecked. He's out at sea. Finally, he gets, they wash up on a desert island. He is um, bitten by a poisonous snake. Eventually, he gets picked up. From there, um, and he is now prison in in Rome. Um, he is waiting a, a decision from Nero, the emperor. Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Nero and Caligula were like the most serial killer emperors you could have. And he's waiting. And uh, as he's writing this letter back to the church in Philippi, and, 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 and to going to this, he gives four, four really powerful insights into what his attitude is. You know, four that, I, that I'm working on to adopt in, in my life, that every, we all need this, okay? Let me, let me read the section, then we'll go through, through it here. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, and Paul's writing, that everything that's happened to me has helped me to spread the good news. Everyone here, including all the soldiers in the palace guard, know that I'm in change because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, many of the Christians have gained confidence and become bolder in telling others about Christ. Now, now some are sharing Christ out of jealousy and rivalry. You know, he's talking to people that are outside. And others preach Christ out of pure motives. They love me. They know that the Lord brought me here to defend the good news. But there are those who do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. And they preach with selfish ambition. And they're not sincere, tending to make my time in prison more painful to me. Whether or not their motives are pure, the fact remains that the message about Christ is being preached. So I rejoice. I will continue to rejoice no matter what. I love that. For I know, as you pray for me, and he's writing to his home church there, for I know that you are praying for me as the Spirit of Christ, as the Spirit of Jesus helps me, and that this will all turn out for my deliverance. And I live in eager expectation and hope. Look at that pos- positivity there. I want, I want my life to always honor Christ, whether I live or I die. For me, living is for Christ and dying is even better. If I live, it just means more fruitful years of service for Christ. But I am often torn between two desires. Sometimes I want to live, and sometimes I long to go on and be with Christ in heaven. That would be far better for me. But 
it's better for you if I live so that you can grow and that you can experience the joy of your faith. And that's what we're trying to understand, the joy of faith. But whatever happens, you must live in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Don't be intimidated by your enemies. That will be a sign for them of their downfall and that God's with you and that he will save you. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. And we're in this fight together. You've seen me suffer for Christ in the past, and you know that I am still in the middle of a great struggle. In the middle of that struggle, and yet rejoicing. Four things. Four things we're going to look at um, in this section. Number one, um, he was able to do that. He was able to rejoice no matter what. If, and if we look at every problem from God's viewpoint. Here, um, I mean, there's only, either we're going to, you know, we're going to look at things from God's point, viewpoint, or we're going to at, look at them from the wrong viewpoint, whether it's ours or anybody else's. I mean, God sees, he says, it's, all, it's a matter of perspective. Um, he, he puts it there, here. He says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news. Everything. His, God has a plan for your life. God, I mean, of course, he wants you to enjoy eternity. But besides that, he also has a plan for your life right now. And he's saying, everything that's happened, God's working it into the plan. And God can work everything into the plan. And then, by the way, that even includes the, the mess-ups that we make. My sins? Yes. He can work that. My faults? Yes. My, my everything. He says, Every, everything's working into the plan. Now, that's a whole different viewpoint. That's a whole different perspective. It's, it's more than just, you know, well, I'm, I know I'm going to go to heaven when I die. No, no. He says, somehow, God's got, a, God's got a better plan. It's, it's not my plan, but he's working things out better. And I trust his way better than I trust mine. I mean, his way would have been what? Um, I mean, he did want to go to Rome. He didn't particularly want to go to Rome as a prisoner. Uh, um, he wanted, maybe he wanted to you know, rent the Colosseum and have a crusade or something. I don't know. But, but he wanted to spread the gospel. That was a strategic city. That's where he wanted to be. And so it's like, okay, God, this, uh, I'm in Rome, but this isn't quite the way I planned. He was there for two years. He was there as a royal prisoner, which would meant he was chained to, uh, to a Praetorian guard. There were special ops, you know. Uh, um, they would, you know, you were chained to that guard for four hours. He would, then they would switch you to another guard for another four. He had no even, even any privacy. Um, there's a math there, and... Uh, if they changed guards every four hours, he could have gone through 4,380 guards. Two results. One was 
that, that he was able, during that time, he was able to witness, um, he, was, he was able to make contact at the highest level in the Roman government, not only those, that, that guard, but then other people, because he was a royal prisoner, would have seen him. We know that um, uh, after uh, his death, even members of, of Nero's court, members of Nero's family had become Christian. Even though Nero was trying to eradicate Christianity, uh, that, was, that, was, that was one thing. Um, the other thing is that during that time that he was in jail in Caesarea and then jail in Philippi, this super-working person had to sit down and just write, write letters to his, to his, to his congregations. And those letters became the New Testament, or a large portion of it. Which do you think worked, would have worked better? Him going there and renting the Colosseum and preaching, you know, or him actually influencing the highest echelon of the Roman government and writing most of the New Testament? Anytime I, face, anytime I face a problem, if I'm looking at something with God's perspective, if I'm looking at something with the viewpoint of faith, two things can happen. One, it'll be a witness to unbelievers. Uh, here, the, the scripture is for everyone here, including all the soldiers and the palace guard, know that I'm in chains because of, of Christ. People on the outside, they, they, they can argue with your theology. They can, you know what really affects people on the outside? The way you and I handle the problems, handle the pain, handle the people, handle the pressures. They can't argue with that. And when they see, wow, you've got a different attitude. Every one of those guards chained to him for four hours, and they're, they're looking, they're saying, this, I've never had a prisoner like this. He's got a whole different attitude. I mean, this man is, doesn't he know that he's going to die? And yet, he's rejoicing. I've got to find out about this Jesus business. There's something he has that I want. That is the witness. And also, it is an encouragement to the believers. And he, and he said that. Two, he goes, he says, and because of my imprisonment, many of the Christians have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. One of the things, whenever we're going through any situation, and God does not have to constantly tell us, you know, it's like, I wish God would tell me, I wish God would tell me. It's like, he's going, first of all, you need to grow up your faith. I don't have to tell you every day, give you a divine vi vision of what's going on. But if you can hold on to me, you will be a powerful witness to those who are outside of Jesus. Without having to say, without having to give them a gospel presentation. And you'll be a powerful encouragement to those if you'll just see my perspective. In fact, right now here, Bow your heads in prayer. I want you to think 
of a person or, or a problem or a pressure or a pain. And right now, say, just repeat with me, God, help me to see. Say it with me. God, help me to see with your perspective. Help me to see this problem. Help with the eyes of faith. Amen. Next, we go on from not only perspective, but we have to never let others control my attitude. Um, there, he talks about four different kinds of people that are hap- that 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 he's dealing with. You know, I mean, some of them were critics, some of them were his comrades, some of them, you know, were his. Uh, uh, co- co- so he had both positive and negative people that were that were working with him while he was there. And and look here, he said, it's true that some preach Christ. Because they're jealous and quarrelsome. Uh, the word there is, is um, eris. That word is they love, to, they love to get into it. They love to criticize. They, and so there were people that were criticizing him. Can critics mess up your joy, mess up your happiness? Yeah. A lot of times they're doing it because they're jealous. Now, there are others, you know, and, and, and by the way, when it comes to this, we have to realize that I don't need other people's approval to be happy. I don't need other people's permission to be happy. I'm not going to be codependent upon, you know, parent or wife or husband or who, uh, anybody else. So that if they're, if, if, if they're approving, I'm, I'm not going to. That is not the way we're meant to live. He, go, he goes on to say, others preach from goodwill. They do so out of love. Um, and they know God's given me the work of defending the gospel. Uh, he had s- some people that were really behind him. You know, uh, me as a pastor, you know, I mean, it's a joy to have people like Gabe, like Dr. Josh, like Colleen, like, I mean, there are so many different People that are, that are just, we're in this together and, and, and their joys. He had them. I have them, you have them. But then there are other people that are, he said others preach Christ insincerely from a spirit of selfish ambition. Uh, they're, they're ego-driven. And, the, and those were the, the ones, they were competitors um, they, they saw Paul in, in, in prison and they were competing with him and, and they said, oh boy, you know, now that he's, he's gone, I, I can, you know, take over. I can be the big cheese, right? And then there were others that, um, he said, others just want to stir up more trouble for me, add to my pain while I'm in prison, you know, and, and, and how do people stir up trouble for you? I mean, the critic is bad because they're always putting you down and showing you that they don't approve of whatever else. But at least it's one-on-one. 
But those terrorists, I mean, I mean, it's like an emotional terrorist, really. Because they go to another person <laughs> and they talk to them. Because people talk to people. Who talk to people? Who talk to people? So what do we do? What do we do? It says here, look at Paul's attitude. What others do doesn't really matter. The important thing is that in every way, whether for right or wrong reasons, the message of Christ is being shared. So I am happy and I will continue to be happy. He's chosen to be happy. He said, yes, I've got people that I can never please. They're unpleasable. And by the way, you know, sometimes I want to tell people, look, if you're, you've never been able to please this person up to this point, and it's been all these years, you may never, you may never please them. But we don't need them to be happy, do we? And yes, on the other hand, you do have those people that are with you. You've got the people that are competing with you and are jealous of you. You've got the people that are gossiping about you, whatever. But it's like, no, no. He's saying, yes, I've got all of these people. I see things realistically. But I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm not focused on that. In fact, he goes on. He says this, be fearless no matter who opposes you. Um, it will be a sign to them of their downfall and that God is with you and that he will save you. <clears throat> Let me go on. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, and that's a privilege. I, I get, you know, I have this faith in Jesus. I, have, I, I, I know that he's with, I, but, he says, you get the privilege of suffering for him. And he goes, ah, you know, we're in a fight together, folks. You have seen me suffer for him in the past. And you know that I'm still in the midst of a great struggle right now. What did Jesus say? <laughs> he said, rejoice and be glad when you get this opposition. Sermon on the Mount. Blessed. The word is makarius. The word makarius originally meant happy. You know, it's blessed. Blessed meant happy in 1611, back when the King James was, you know, translated. He said, rejoice, be glad, be really happy, be mega happy. When you're opposed, what they do to me, they're going to do to you. You're most Christ-like when they're trying to nail you to a cross. And if they are criticizing you and gossiping about you and, 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 and jealous of you, what? because you're trying to be a Christian husband, a Christian wife, a Christian parent, you're trying to live the, the, the Jesus life, and you get to suffer. You're out, you can be, thank you. <laughs> it's a privilege to suffer this much from the one who did everything for me. It's a privilege. Number three, always trust God. To work things out. One little sentence here I really want to look at. I will continue to rejoice. 
and I like that. I, it's a choice. It's a choice. I'm going to give you an example at the end of this of, of, of one person that's it's kind of a hero to me. And, and she's been dealing with this something for 50 years. She's really honest and really real. And I'll, I'll read to you just a little thing from an interview for her. I, I, but I, I've made this decision to rejoice. For I know, that's why we're here. We need to, there are certain facts. She said, you have to know the truth. The truth will set you free. The truth is, is it's, it's not about what's happening to me. It's about my perspective on what's happening to me. It's, it's, and it goes on, I know that as you pray, you know, for me, that's keeping me going. The spirit of Jesus Christ helps me. That, that's also keeping me going. And all that happened will turn out for my deliverance. So I will continue to rejoice. Let me read to you from a little article I, I, I picked up about Johnny Erickson Tata. She, 50 years ago, 50 years ago, she went through a, um, a diving accident in which she became a quadriplegic. And um, she was an interview. And in this interview, uh, well, let me just read it to you. Because she's been a quadriplegic now for 50 years. And in World Magazine, it said, does, the, the interviewer said, does depression still ensnare you at times? Are you happy? And this, this is the answer. She said, I make myself happy. I make myself sing because I have to. The alternative is too frightening. My girlfriends will tell you in the morning when I wake up, I know they'll be coming into my bedroom and give me a bed bath, do my toileting routine, pull up my pants, put me in the wheelchair, feed me breakfast, and push me out the front door. I lie there thinking, gagging noises, oh God, I cannot face this. I'm so tired of this routine. My hip is killing me. I'm so weary. I don't know how I'm going to make it to lunchtime. I have no energy for this day, God. I can't do quadriplegia. I can't do all things through you as you strengthen me. So God, I have no smile for these girlfriends of mine who are going to come in, um, in here with a happy face. Can I please borrow your smile? I need it desperately. I need you. Our weakness, God's strength. I hate the prospect of having to face the day with paralysis. And she's been paralyzed for 50 years now. I choose the Holy Spirit's help because I don't want to go down that grim, dark path to depression anymore. That's the biblical way to wake up in the morning. The only way to wake up in the morning. No wonder the Apostle Paul said, boast in your afflictions. Don't be ashamed of them. Don't think you have to hide them and gussy yourself up before God in the morning so that he'll be happy with you and see that you're really believing in him. No, no, no. Admit you can't do this thing called life. Then cast yourself at the mercy of God and let him show up through your weakness because that's what he promised. Finally, Stay focused on my purpose, not my problems.
Let me read to you this passage. If, by continuing to live, I can do more worthwhile work for Christ, then I'm not sure which I should choose. I'm pulled in two directions. I want very much to leave this life and be with Christ, which is a far better thing. It would be better for me to die, for, as far as I'm concerned. You know, death, at this point, death would be better for me. But for your sake, it is much more important that I remain alive. I'm sure of this, so I know that I will stay on with you all so that I can add to your progress and I should enjoy in the faith. God wants me to stay alive so that I help, can help you progress and have joy in your faith. I mean, it's, you know, as far as me, I'm concerned, Paul's saying, it'd be better for me to be in heaven. I'll be per there is nothing I can do here that I can't do better there. I can sing, I can worship, I can be happy, I can be better there. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, death, but I can help you progress and learn how to have joy in your faith. And then he says this beautiful statement. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Die is gain, that's obvious. Heaven. Live is Christ. Live is Christ. That means that life is Jesus. Look, everybody, other people can you know, can enjoy a, a donut or a, a bagel or a, the laughter of a child or whatever else. Anybody can do that. And, but we, we can see it as Christ. We can see every single thing as a gift from this loving, unbelievable God. We can live lives of gratitude here, here, right now. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I constantly, all day long, add to a gratitude journal I'm doing, because I want to be able to see Jesus in, every, in, 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 a, in a dozen things every day. I ask my question every hour, God, what do, what do I want to thank you for this hour, this hour, right now? What little thing, what big thing? To live is Christ. appreciate, to, to, to love him and to be a channel of him and to serve him by serving others. So, what would that answer be for you? For me to live is what? That's the question I want you to take home. For me to live is what? Jesus, you know I often let circumstances determine my happiness. You know that I often allow the killjoys of pain and problems and pressures of picky people to rob my happiness. 
starting today, every one of us, I want us to practice the four sources, secrets that Paul modeled, help me to look at every problem in my life from your viewpoint. I want to handle problems in a way that, that are a witness to non-believers and an encouragement to believers. Help me to remember that what others say and do does not control my happiness unless I allow it. And as for the things that happen that I don't understand or can't figure out, I just want to trust you to work it all out for good. Help me to stay focused on your purpose for my life, not my problems. I want to use the rest of my life to serve you by serving others. I want to pray the most dangerous prayer, Lord, use me. So I have a purpose for living and a purpose for dying. From this day on, I want to live. I want to say, to live is Christ. I just don't live. I see you. In every gift that you give me, I see you. In everything that I'm doing, I see you. Behind everything that I, I see you as the one I'm going to.